Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Cape Sports Now, the Cape Cod Times only all-inclusive sports podcast. I'm Steve Dudarian, alongside Matt Goisman. Matt, kind of like the uh, Patriots, we uh, bumped ourselves a day back than, than usual, but uh, you know, we're back here. we got a lot to discuss over the weekend. A lot, a lot of schedules got changed around, and I know definitely what we want to kick off is Barnstable Football, which had a uh, Sunday game. And my word, did they impress uh, against Wellesley? Absolutely. Yeah, I think we delayed the show also so everybody could maybe catch up a little bit on the sleep they probably yeah, lost. Yeah, staying good point. up to watch the Red very Sox. Very good point. <laughs> Those were some very late fo- uh, baseball games, no matter where they were playing them. So. A late football game last night, too. Yeah, that too. But <laughs> but all enjoyable, so probably worth it. Yeah, Barnstable, they looked so good against Wellesley uh, in their start to the Division Two South playoffs last Sunday. They beat Wellesley 35-0 on the road. The big, and now they're facing uh, number four, uh, number one, excuse right. me, Mansfield uh, at a seven and one team. That game is Friday at seven p.m. Mansfield coming off a twenty-one-seven win over Bridgewater Raynham, which is a team Barnstable beat in the regular season by about I think it was like thirty-five twenty-nine. So a one touchdown game there. You know, Barnstable didn't do anything in this game that. They didn't do all season. They just did it really, really well. I mean, Matt Peter Kuski, he's the quarterback. He is the di- you know the driving force in that offense. He had a really great game. He threw for over 300 yards. He he and Connor Baldessaro, who will we should have a pretty good story on come the end of this week. Uh, you know, have really found really good chemistry with each other. So Baldessaro caught two TDs. He had 200 plus yards receiving. You know, what I liked is that uh, last week is Peter Kuski was able to really spread the offense around. He got, he hit Luke Locasio for one touchdown. He hit Jadaro France, who is more of a running back, but was able to get him on a touchdown pass as well. If they can really spread that offense out, there aren't a lot of high school teams that can really defend the pass that well. Uh, one of the big questions I have is they played Sunday. They're getting two less days of rest than Mansfield, and will that have some kind of effect? Well, I was just about to bring that up. I mean, it's all about preparation with a lot of these games, and mm-hmm. and I think Mansfield has probably a little bit more speed on the field than Wellesley, and obviously they're going to mix up their defense. You know, the big detriment to Wellesley was they kept playing man, mm-hmm. and you can't do that against Connor Balls. You've got to mix up your defense, a little disguise what you're doing, and I know that's a com- that can be a complex mm-hmm. concept at high school, but... I think if you're the number one team in Division Two South, I think you'll be able to do that. So I, I wouldn't expect Barnstable to uh, certainly run away with this one. But certainly seeing this result, they put that up on their bulletin board and knowing this isn't going to be a cakewalk to the sectional final. This is going to be a battle. Absolutely. And arguably it might be the best offense that Mansfield has faced all year. Sure. But you look at how Mansfield beat Bridgewater Raynham last uh, week, and one thing that really jumped out to me is in the second half when Mansfield really dominated – they held BR to just 11 plays mm-hmm. from line of scrimmage, gave up only one first down, and no completed passes. So they clearly are a team that's got some pass defense because I saw Bridgewater Raynham against Barnstable. Bridgewater Raynham could throw it around a little bit, um, and Mansfield found a way to shut that down. If that happens, do we see somebody like Brian Fry or Jadaro Franz or maybe Daniel Noguera 
step in and take over the running game to balance out what the passing game might lose against right. this Mansfield D. You know, they didn't run the ball very well last week. Most of Barnstable's rushing yards came on one touchdown run by Nogueira. So if they can balance it out, that's going to make it much easier to crack this Mansfield defense that is very strong. Absolutely. I mean, anytime you can mix run and pass is going to be an advantage. So I could see Fry having a big game in this one if the offensive line can hold up, mm-hmm. especially if that defense is playing a little soft in coverage and maybe they go with a three-man front or something and mm-hmm. set up draws or you know just different plays. Um, yeah, if they can establish a run game and force Mansfield to creep up, that's when that deep passing game to Baldassaro and, yep. and other receivers is going to be really effective. So The big names for Mansfield to watch, uh, their junior tailback, Vinnie Holmes, uh, he rushed for 100 yards and the, the key touchdown, the go-ahead touchdown uh, late in the fourth quarter last week for Mansfield. Uh, that followed an interception by Christian Connor, so that's a defensive player they got to watch out for. Uh, they also got a touchdown run from Mike DeBolt, and uh, their quarterback, Aiden Sacco, seems to have some good uh, pa- uh, chemistry with uh, Mackie Baskin, who mm-hmm. caught a 33-yard touchdown uh, earlier in the game. So those are some of the key players that they're going to have to shut down. See if guys like Wardwell, Colby Burke, uh, Baldessaro again, Julio Mokas. We'll see if the defense can step up and make a couple of plays to on some of those big names. But, I mean, second straight year, Barnsville is going to go up against the number one in the sectional. So, certainly a, uh, a remarkable run for this team. It's to the go best in on run the road since on, 2013. To win on the road Sunday, too. That's the part we're leaving out there is that, yeah. they, you know, I think maybe some Barnsville guys were bumming out that they didn't get a home game. But they went up there and they kicked you-know-what <laughs> up on the road. So, that's 7 p.m. Friday. Again, short week. We'll see how Barnsville can bounce back from that. Um, Inter- the last yeah, sorry, thing about that game is yeah, just uh, that's the it's a rematch of the 2013 South right. Finals, yep. which is the last time Barnstable won a playoff game. So, right. So for, for whatever that's worth, the, yeah, whole, the yeah, rosters yeah. are totally different. Totally, but. <laughs> totally. Uh, slide down to Division Five here. Uh, Falmouth uh, had a, certainly had a battle uh, last week against Foxborough. Absolutely, a very uh, tested team. They're going to host number four Canton, a uh, seven and one team at six p.m. Friday in the semifinals. Um, you know, Falmouth really had to hold on with a goal line stand there at yeah. the end. Uh, a 20, 22-14 win. So, even if Foxborough scored a win, we're going to tie at the, at the worst. But Jake Murphy really reemerged in this one. A couple of rushing touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Connolly kind of took over in the fourth quarter, yep. which is no surprise there. I mean, clearly Foxborough was keen on Murphy and shutting him down. That uh, You forget about the quarterback sometimes, too. Mm-hmm. He's just as much of a threat. So, each of them ran for over 100, of y- uh, over 100 yards. Uh, Nick Cavosa came up with a big defensive play to kill Foxborough's last drive. And just really, um, Falmouth has been tested in a lot of ways this year. And even though it hasn't been as convincing as maybe we predicted, I think that might might be good for the long run that Falmouth's defense showed under pressure that they can make a stand. Sure. And Falmouth coach Derek Almeida, when I talked to him before the game, you know, he said Foxborough is much better than their record mm-hmm. indicates. So he knew this was going to be a battle. Right. It doesn't mean all the other teams they're conceivably going to face Canton this week and probably maybe Situate uh, you know, the week after won't also be huge battles for them. Right. You know, with Canton, the te- the guys you got to watch out for, uh, their quarterback, Johnny Hagan, uh, he ran for 87 yards and he threw for 80. So he's a big guy. Kyle Fitzgerald, kind of their lead guy, uh, running back, 19 carries, 143 yards, um, also two touchdowns. And then Brendan Albert also ran for a touchdown um, as Canton beat Hanover 27-13 in the first round. Another big test, I'd like to see Falmouth 
continue to get its, uh, their receivers involved in the running game. They've had success with guys like Trevor Nunes or uh, in Gonzal, uh, oh, in Washington, Washington yeah. excuse me. Marcus Gonzalez is their DB, yep, um, yep. who also can run it a little bit. Right. But if they can bring those guys in and get their, their end-around runs going in addition to up-the-gut runs by Murphy or Connolly, I think they definitely can move the ball a lot more easily. Might need to get an extra helmet for uh, for Kyle Cardoza, too. We were here yeah. in the middle of uh, the, <laughs> of Friday's game that uh, he had a little helmet misfun- or malfunction. <laughs> and I can't imagine there's a lot of helmets that uh, fit him. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big hit. So, uh, yeah, he uh, he got back in the game. But you mentioned the passing game. Obviously, he's a huge weapon. And mm-hmm. I could see him, if he could get loose, um, especially if Kent's keen on the run, I could see him getting loose and having a big uh, long touchdown reception. Absolutely. You know, w- when we drop down to Division 7, we've got uh, Cohasset fi- at 5-2 and two at, at number 1, Mashpee 8-0. Mashpee's won 27 straight games now, I think, or 28. I'm right? lost count. I think yeah, it might be 28, I'll, but it's uh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a 7 p.m. game at Mashpee. You know, you're talking about a receiver getting involved in other aspects of the game. Xavier Gonzalez did a little bit of everything in mm-hmm. this game. He's their kickoff guy. He caught a touchdown pass. They did some direct snaps to him, uh, you know, basically wildcat packages with him just catching the ball and running, including I think they did that once on a fourth down on basically a fake punt, and he just – Archbishop Williams couldn't tackle him. Right. This was a really uh, – it's not a complete win because Mashby only had to play about – two and a half quarters to mm-hmm. put, wrap it up. But it was an extremely complimentary style of football that I really liked. You know, you had sequences in which Gonzalez would ke- kick it deep. Devin Hughes would tackle Archbishop Williams at like their 10 or 12 mm-hmm. or, or, or deeper. I think he pinned them once at the seven. They couldn't move the ball at all. They only had like 42 yards of offense in the first half. So then they would punt from deep in their territory. So Mashpee was always starting at midfield or better. And then two or three plays later, or sometimes just one play later, they'd be in the end zone. I mm-hmm. mean, it was just do this thing well, and it feeds the next thing well, and it feeds the next thing well. And it was just a cycle that was just overwhelming, uh, overwhelmingly in Mashpee's favor. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is about Mashpee playing at home, but there definitely seems to be – they see, certainly seem to be able to psych out their opponents a little bit because yeah. we thought Archbishop Williams coming and having beaten St. Mary's. Yeah, right. St. Mary's a team that just lost to Mashpee, you know, kind of toward the end. We thought this would be a battle, and it was really not even close. Yeah. I mean, the special teams is something I know you wanted to mention, you know, Devon Ford. Somebody tweeted the other day that, you know, it's not just Ford on the return. It's all the guys blocking along the side. Exactly. It's unstoppable, but it is stoppable. You kick the ball out of bounds. Right. <laughs> you, don't let, you don't let special teams beat you. Even on the kickoff, I'd almost rather have Mashby take the ball at the 40 mm-hmm. than run the risk of them running it all the way down on a kick right. return and not letting your defense make plays. But And Ford's touchdown came on a punt return, so right. it's even less reason to actually kick it inbounds. Punt it deep and punt it out so there's no chance of a return. Well, that's what I mean, but even on kick returns, obviously Ford's a threat. And even and Kurgo, and Cam right, Kurgo, Absolutely, too. both those guys. Keep it away from them, squib it if you have to. <laughs> yeah. But if you're special teamed, if you're Cohasset, which a couple weeks ago gave Mashby a pretty good game at the end. Absolutely. Mashby did dominate the first half. Cohasset kind of battled back. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, don't read into that too much because I think Mashby, if they play a four-quarter effort, I think they should roll into this finals. But Cohasset, they're not going to go down easily. That That's a very solid squad they have over there. and um, Yeah, they're coming off a, a big um, 
Coasset, they beat Southeastern, I think, right. in, in the first round. So yeah, so the guys they got you got to watch out for with Cohasset. So their quarterback, um, uh, sorry, Matt Lund. There we go. <laughs> Lost my notes for a second there. So Matt Lund uh, had a big game against Mashpee two, uh, when they played four weeks ago. He had threw for two hundred forty nine yards, um, including hitting. Mark Mahoney, who caught a touchdown pass and had 143 receiving yards. Cliff Ward, over 100 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Last week, the big name was Gray Thomas, who ran for three touchdowns and 125 yards on 22 carries. He was also pretty successful against Mashpee. You know, we talked about special teams plays. Well, Cam Kurgo returned a kickoff for a touchdown against Cohasset uh, in week five. Devon Ford, two touchdowns in that game. Kurgo is coming off a uh, uh, sorry is coming off a two touchdown game against uh, I lost my train of thought there. He's coming off a two touchdown game against Archbishop Williams. Right. He caught one and he ran for one. You had Jack Vinitsky who was big against Coasset a couple weeks ago. He had a touchdown run and a pick six a week ago. So it's all these same names clashing again. Coasset is going to be better than Archbishop Williams. I'm still pretty confident Mashby can win this game. Right. Um, I, I, I'm really impressed with Jack Finitsky. I get to see him play against Hull, and he's kind of been a bit of a goal line back. You mm-hmm. know, I know you mentioned Gonzalez being under center, but he's almost kind of a fullback in yeah. a way, and he's been able to get, like, you know, from the two, able to punch it in. Because, you know, you want, you know, Ford's obviously, especially he can just as solid in the goal line, but you have that second back that you have to key on as well. Right. It's not just a dead giveaway who's getting the ball each time. And he also had a pick six, great defender too, so... Yeah. He's kind of – I'm not sure Kendall Rose was playing. I know he was coming back from an injury earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. You know if he played I, against Foshbridge Williams? But he's kind of been that swing player mm-hmm. that, like, you know, outside of your big three, he can make plays too and, yeah. and might win you just as Rose did in the Super Bowl. They're clinching interception in that one. So exactly. Definitely a very good player uh, for Mashby as well. You know, Vinitsky's pick six, it was on a deflection at the line. He just sort of spot it, and then when he picked it off, there was nobody between – you know, in front of him that could catch him. So he just, hey, they don't ask him. how, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> now, if you can sprint 80 yards on touch, that's pretty good. Um, the other uh, game we have in division seven is number seven, Nantucket at number two, Abington. We don't know when that game is yet. I got heard from uh, Nantucket coach, Joe Perry, right before we started recording and they still haven't picked it. We assume it's going to be Friday night, but my guess is they're trying to figure out a time that still leaves them time to catch the ferry and make it back to the island, uh, you know, that same night. We've said this over and over and over again with Nantucket that Devontae Usher, since he returned from his, his hamstring injury, he's just been almost unstoppable. Mm-hmm. You know, he had four touchdowns and 162 rushing yards on nine carries in Nantucket's 34-7 win over Case. You know, their Malik Bodden hit Cam Bartlett for a touchdown. That's great. The defense, which I did not expect because Case had a really good offense, also stepped up. But when Usher gets it going, nobody has really been able to stop him yet. And the reason Nantucket is a low seed is because they lost games when Usher was out with an injury. Right. They lost to Mashby and Cohasset in yep. the first two weeks, and they've won ever since. Mm-hmm. But like I said, most improved team keeps chugging, and. I could really see this one being a slugfest. I know yeah. both defenses are pretty good too, but the amount of talent on both sides of the ball is outstanding. You know, we mentioned Abington's Will Klein every week, big yeah. time playmaker. That quarterback Christian Labassier mm-hmm. can fling it all over the field, and even fine Klein. On, he had a long screen pass against yep. Bourne. But you know, encouraging was that Bourne was actually able to score against Abington a bit at the end. Yep, which gives me some hope that I think Nantucket can get that offense going and 
and stay in the game because fact is you're going to have to match points with points. Yeah. I'd be very surprised if this was like a 7-7 or 14-7 game. This has more feeling of both teams putting up about 30 points apiece. I think probably more maybe like 20. I'm, I think maybe four touchdowns right. territory. You know, this is going to come down to run offense versus run defense. Mm-hmm. Malik Bowden has really settled in as Nantucket's quarterback, and Christian Labossier is a very good quarterback for Abington. But Will Klein has led the green wave. He is one of the best scoring threats in all of Division Seven. Right. Uh, and Devontae Usher has taken over the offense since he returned to the Whalers. Whichever team can shut down or at least contain a little bit the other running back is probably the one that I think is going right. to win this game. I like to see Usher in kind of the screen game because, you know what, Abington can match that run game a lot more strongly. they got really good athletes on defense. Mm-hmm. And then obviously they're going to be keying on Usher. But if you can get them to cheat up on the run and then, you know, just dump it off over the top and make it an easy pass for Bowden, you really get some big yardage plays out of that. Because if you're Abington, you're going to want Bowden to put the ball in the right. air. Even though Cam Barlett and other guys have been pretty good um, receiving the ball. You take your chance with that versus... Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, Usher's obviously their number one guy to shut down. And even Terrain Burton, who's obviously a good back, was, I think, back a little bit too. Maybe mm-hmm. a little more on the defensive side of the ball. So yeah. you can't forget about him either. Um, and then you have Victor Gambaroni also, right. who's kind of who's their other running back. And I don't mean to say that in a way to be dismissive because he's also been very strong this season. And if it comes down to second options after the Stars... Both teams, again, have some good other options. He's your chain mover, your third yeah. down back of sorts. Exactly. And for Abington, those are guys like Tom Furness and Dylan Magararu, who both scored against Bourne last week. The best name in football, I think, Magararu. It was so funny hearing the radio guys trying to pronounce that name. <laughs> so, you know, it could come – I mean, I just said it's going to come down to run offense versus run defense, but it isn't just stopping the star. It's – having enough left to also stop the, the, other, the second guys when they come in to also get carries. The last playoff game we have uh, is Saturday at noon. That is number three, Coyle Cassidy, and number two, Upper Cape. That's in Division Eight, uh, the South Semifinals. If you've been watching our episodes this season, and we thank you if you have, you can probably <laughs> guess who the stars were for Upper Cape last week. It was Jazari Salim, who rushed for 91 yards and a touchdown, and Cameron Glover, who ran for 55 and a touchdown. And Nolan DeHedeville also had a, a pretty big field goal that, that made it a two-possession game late, so that was nice to see too. You know, I, I liked Upper Cape's defense. They gave up just 118 rushing yards and 15 passing yards, so that's a good stop against Old Colony, a team they had just played, and it's not easy to play the same team twice in two weeks. So now the question is, can they go get it going against the Warriors, who play better defense? Um, you know, they only allow 11.4 points per game. They've had five of their games where they held their opponents to a touchdown or less. So can they replicate what they did against Old, Upper, old Colony against Coyle Cassidy? Yeah, again, I think it's going to cre- uh, require some creative play calling by Upper Cape to, to get these guys involved in the game a little differently. Clearly, they're going to be keying on the run with Salim and mm-hmm. um, Glover can be used a little bit, you know, split out too. They might throw to him a little bit, um, but yeah, I mean that's the real key. Salim and even Drew Brightman, their top receiver, they're going to be keying on him too. So, uh, Upper Cape was down in this game, and I was impressed how they were able to kind of fight back and, mm-hmm. and show a little bit of uh, toughness in that regard. But you mentioned the Hedeville thing. I mean, I think that's huge. Knowing yeah. that you have a kicker that. Even if you can't finish drives, you can get some points out of it. Absolutely. And against a team, like you mentioned, with as good as defensive Coyle Cassidy, you take your points. Right. Absolutely. Especially if late, it's late in the game and you've, you're facing a team that 
You know who's going to run the ball, which is going to grind the clock right. down. You know, if it's a team that can just pass, 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 and move really quickly, 10 points is, is great. It's better than seven, but it's, it's not as secure. But if you know the other team is pretty much going to have to grind it out, two-possession lead in the fourth quarter in high school football is really, really big. So I do it for the playoff games. If you want to do one last rundown to make yeah, sure we got them all. Yeah, uh, so let's do that. So in D2, we have Barnstable at Mansfield Friday at 7 p.m. Division 5, it's Canton at Falmouth at 6 p.m. Division 7, it's Cohasset at Mashby at 7 p.m. And uh, Nantucket at Abington, we don't know yet. Uh, and then Saturday, it's in Division 8, it's Coyle Cassidy at Upper Cape in Bourne at noon. I'll run through the non-playoffs real quick. We're not really going to talk about them, but it's Fairhaven at Sandwich. That's Friday at 6. Sandwich finally gets their first win, yeah, too. Yeah, good for them. That was a nice. Coach Matt McLean, yeah, big win over at Greater New Bedford. So. Absolutely. Seekonk at Martha's Vineyard Friday at 6 p.m. Plymouth North at Nauset. That's Friday at 6 p.m. DY is at Hanover Friday at 7. Dover Sherburn is at St. John Paul Friday at 7. Well, at Mass Maritime. Um, Bellingham is at Cape Tech Saturday at 1. Monomoy is at Tri-County. That's Friday at 7. And Bourne is at Diamond on Friday at 7. Great. So that'll do it for both. That's football. all football. Uh, I wanted to move to field hockey. The uh, the brackets came out yesterday for sectionals. So we only have one team in D1. That's Barnstable. We mm-hmm. have a bunch of teams in D2. I guess I'll start with Barnstable. I mean, pretty simple here. Number 11, Barnstable. 11 wins, 5 losses, 2 draws. They're going to host uh, the 22nd seed, Hoppington. At eight, two and two, or eight, eight, eight and two, mm-hmm. four p.m. Thursday. The winner is actually going to play Dartmouth, um, fourteen win uh, Dartmouth team. Interesting. Barnstable had tied Dartmouth scoreless tie earlier in the yep. year, and then lost one nothing. So certainly, if Barnstable can get through, I think they can give Dartmouth the old Colony League champion a run for their for their money there. Definitely. Really been impressed by the defense of Barnstable this year, mm-hmm. especially Abby Alasusi in the back of the goalie. All uh, eleven shutouts this year, including a couple of those ties. Um, Lily Tordo and Nick Bowman have, have really kind of locked down that defense. And and if Barnstable can take a one nothing lead in any of these games, mm-hmm. you have to feel really confident about that defense that they're not going to let anything else through in that one. So, But the offense has been just as good, too. You know, Julia Fone distributes the ball really well. Uh, goal scorers, Abby Corey, Bridget Everett, Kate McNulty, Eve Bancroft, just to name a few. There's not really a go-to scorer on this team. Mm-hmm. But again, if they can get up one nothing early and just sit back and, and, and defend as a collective unit, they're going to be a tough team to beat. So um, it's kind of cool. He's uh, Arsenal's actually going to scrimmage DY uh, later mm-hmm. today. Kind of a nice showing of two local programs helping each other out. Definitely. Obviously, they can't play each other in the postseason. They're Division One versus Division Two, but. Nice show of they unity. could have like two years ago when DY right. was still a D one team. But, but kind of a nice show of unity there that you know we're all here to help. Uh, each other out so and you don't want your team to get uh slow you don't want your team to like lose its focus in the few days between the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs because as we're about to get to dy doesn't play again until friday so they would very much i think enjoy having an extra game uh you know between or scrimmage between the their season end which was like last friday right you know that you don't want to take a week off of competition barnstable is a team that actually battled dy to a scoreless tie so yeah if there's anybody who can match you know, talent for talent. I Absolutely. Guess, the teams. That tie might have cost uh, D.Y. the number one seed. Maybe, you're right. They're the number, <laughs> D.Y. is the number two seed behind number one, Foxborough. We'll get a little bit more to Foxborough later. But D.Y. is going to host either number 15, Dover Sherburn, or number 18, Plymouth South at 2.30 Friday. Mm-hmm. That's the time listed on the MIAA site. Um, you know, total dominations by the Dolphins this yeah. year, you know. But you're like you just said, those three ties might have cost them number one seed. 
you know, Foxborough is six one and one, but clearly Foxborough 16. plays what did I say six sixteen one and one. <laughs> yeah, only eight games. That makes a lot of sense. Um, but Foxborough does play a tough schedule. They were in the D two semifinals mm-hmm. against DY last year. It was a very interesting clash. Came down to the final minutes of the second half. I wouldn't be surprised if somehow these teams ran into each other again, which would be the sectional final. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, but Kayla McGaffigan, you know, we can't really say enough about her. 24 goals, 7 assists, finishing out the regular season. You know, Lily Holmes, 15, 15 goals, 13 assists. Shelby Dunn, Abby Hicks, all of them yeah. have been really outstanding. Um, Delana Gallagher has been outstanding in goal. Her goal percentage average is .13. Yeah. Goals against average, I should say. Um, and the lone goals they gave it up this year, they gave up one against Bishop Stang, one against Barnstable, one against Nosset. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> it was like, what was it, 76 to 3? Just there? about, yeah. You know. So, um, you know, the winner of that game is going to get number seven, West Bridgewater, or number 10, uh, Dedham, likely next Monday. Mm-hmm. And That'll also be at home, which right. the, there's not a ton of difference between the two and the one seed because you can only have two home games and then. Starting with the semifinals, if you can make it that far, that's going to be at Taunton. Which is a difference from last year. Yeah, last year it was home sites for the first three rounds, and then it was a neutral site for the sectional finals. You know, DY has had this really overpowering offense of strong defense with kids like Lucia Gurkis and Ava McGaffigan, Kayla's sister. The question is, if the scoring starts to diminish, which is what happened in the playoffs last year, can DY still win? I, I think we both agree that they can, but their last three sectional playoff games were all 1-0 games. They beat right. Ursuline Academy 9-0. But, um, so that is not something they're necessarily used to, although they've had some 1-0 games, certainly Falmouth it, a few weeks it's ago. It's playoff field hockey, and I, yeah. I think the coaches understand that. But I think what DY has going forward is those players like Holmes and those players like Dunn, I mean, they were there for the run last year. Mm-hmm. They knew what it was like to play Absolutely. in those games, and they're just... They're that much better this year than they were last year. Mm-hmm. And there's no doubt that it'd be a disappointment if they didn't get back to that sectional final and oh, win it and get back to the state uh, tournament where they were last year. Absolutely. Um, but a team they could end up playing in route to that could be number six sandwich, yep. which hosts old Rochester at three 30 PM Thursday. You know, we talked a little bit yesterday about this, you know, Macy white, I think really needs to step up and be the leader of this young team. And mm-hmm. if the blue Knights have a chance of making a run, that's not a knock on white. It's just, you know, she's a leader. Clearly they're, Top scorer and uh, Sarah a Curry. veteran on a team with totally. not a lot of veterans. Totally, you know Sarah Curry's been great at goalie. Um, you know, eleven games, point six goals against average. Mm-hmm. I mean, under one is you know pretty good. Yep. The real question is, you know, which team shows up? You know, is it the team that has no fear? You know, attacks relentlessly, hustles, pressures the net, or is it the one that kind of played tenderly around? You know, when the season when the season's on the line. You know, Sandwich has shown some promise. I mean, they uh, split one nothing decisions against Dartmouth this year. Mm-hmm. Dartmouth, a very solid Division One oh, team. Yeah. While uh, Old Rochester lost to Dartmouth three nothing earlier this year, so I think Sandwich should have the edge. But the Blue Knights really need to prove it. Definitely. You know, and then uh, the other two uh, playoff games we've got are uh, we've got in all both in Division Two. We've got an All Cape game uh, Wednesday at two thirty. That's uh, number sixteen Falmouth hosting number seventeen Monomoy. Uh, the bummer is Falmouth, if they win, they next have to go play Foxborough. Yeah. Um, if I'm Coach Courtney Liam, I'm, I'm pretty upset about that seed just because of the schedule that Falmouth had to play this year. Yeah. I mean, Falmouth, yeah, 9-5-3, and three, they, had, they had under 10 wins. But when you look at the teams they scheduled at the beginning of the year, you know, they played and beat Division One North Attleboro, Bridgewater, Raynham. They mm-hmm. beat them both at the beginning of the year. You know, they battled DY twice this year. Those are their, two of their losses. Yep. 
I, I just don't think it's fair because even if Falmouth, and they should get past number 17, Monomoy, that game's 2.30 p.m. Wednesday, they should get through to play, but they'd be against number one Foxborough. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're Falmouth, you're kind of uh, a little upset with that, just given that how much of a stronger schedule you have, again, especially when you compare uh, number nine with his Martha Vineyard, which plays in comparison a much lighter schedule in the Cape mm-hmm. and Islands League. So, you know, you, you can't they do made anything. The playoffs, you can't do anything about that now. But like, I, I would be upset if I was Falmouth. Absolutely. You know, it, it's the Vineyard basically is in the playoffs because they won the Cape and Islands League. If right. they hadn't have, I think their well, record was borderline not good enough to get them in. So, uh, you know, but yeah, they're at Cohasset Thursday at four p.m. Uh, the winner, you know, so we'll see. We'll see how far they can go. Um, um, in fairness, I guess it, it says here, though, it is true that even if they were like the nine seed, they'd have to go play Foxborough likely anyway if they yeah. won. So, so. <laughs> uh, just, you know, that's a tough part of the bracket uh, there. And, um, you know, the vineyard has been pretty impressive this year. You know, they're under 32-year head coach. Um, her name escapes me at the moment. Um, I typed it out here. They got under veteran. They are under veteran leadership. You know, when you got players like um, Addy Heyman, of course, great right. lacrosse player. Um, Mackenzie Condon was great. Abby Marshan, who's already yep. committed to Connecticut College. Haley Meter is going to play at Nichols next year. They're all really, they really have a lot of solid talent. Lisa Knight, sorry, mm-hmm. is their 32-year head coach. She's going to have that team ready to go against Cohasset, I think, which Cohasset's the Division Two South finalist last year. Uh huh. Lisa Knight, point. is that who you're talking yes. about? Anyway, uh, yeah, so. I think that ought to do it for uh, for field hockey. Think. Right. So we've got volleyball seedings coming out today. Uh, they weren't up when, as of recording, but I'm sure they'll be up in the next couple of hours. We'll have a story online, capecottimes.com slash sports, later tonight with full breakdown of the seedings. There's not a whole lot that, that were of surprises, I think, in this one. We expect Barnstable, who hasn't lost a set this mm-hmm. year, to be the number one seed in Division One. We expect Bourne, whose only loss was to a Division One team, should probably yeah. yeah should probably be the number one seed in D three South. Um, and then Nantucket is in; that's a first for them. We expect Falmouth. Falmouth, I think, will probably at least have a first round home game. I think Nantucket actually got in last year in the first round. Snuck you in. might be right. They played you're Bourne right. in the I'm first sorry, round. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. No, but I mean, that's a young program to to make it back to back years yeah. is certainly a good mark for them. Um, anyway, yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about Barnstable here. Um, you know, Riley James in her in her final regular season game looked as strong as ever, had 20 kills. Mm-hmm. You know, her sister Tegan, freshman, has been distributing the ball really well. Yeah. I mean, who better to, you know, distribute to sure. the best attack, arguably the best attack in the state, uh, it, than, uh, than her own sister. So uh, Ingrid Murphy has always been strong as well. Mm-hmm. Really impressed, as you mentioned her before, Josie DeLuga yeah. plugging in. Right at Libero there. Yeah, really kind of. It's almost that kind of that glue that kind of keeps that starting unit together, mm-hmm. and and really prevents other teams from say picking on certain players because they're all very very strong, very capable starting six. Um, I mean, when you look at this playoff run, there's, there's no doubt Barnstable is the favorite to win D1 South, and I think there's a bit of that boogeyman looking on the other side of Newton North, right? Uh, probably most likely having another semifinal, state semifinal against them. Mm-hmm. But you know. Coach Turco is not going to let them worry too much about that. And yeah. I, I think he's just going to have them focused on the games at hand and they roll through and most likely take home another sectional title. Yeah. I don't really see anybody challenging them. I don't either. I mean, last year in the finals, they faced, I think, New Bedford, New Bedford who yep. had a really good record. 
and just couldn't do anything against Barnstable. Mm-hmm. Barnstable, every time they hit the ball, New Bedford was slow to react. Every time New Bedford tried to hit the ball, Barnstable was in per- position to, to defend it cleanly, you know, get a good pass off. I, I don't see a challenge coming before the, the state semifinals. Right. And tough place to play, too, when, when the road to the finals has to go through Barnstable. Right. And that's especially the case for Division Three Bourne, which the other night for senior night we were here and had a really raucous crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, the student section really shows up for that team. I saw a little bit last year in the mm-hmm. sectional semifinals. That's a tough place to play. That's you know not that big of a gym. And if you can fill that gym, there's a lot of noise. And I know the players feed off that as well. But the senior class, Emma Fenn, Emma Leach, Charlotte Orth, Cammie Mackinac, Maddie Stuck, Sarah Sullivan, all of them have been outstanding. Mm-hmm. It's because, you know, we, we thought, you know, this team might take a little bit of a step back after losing their dig through to Lee and ha- Leah Heidenfeld, but they yep. just, almost like the Nasset Boys soccer, they've just kind of replaced or her. volleyball. They've just kind of replaced her in the aggregate yeah. and really just had players who really just give 110% each game. Mm-hmm. Um, their road back to the finals is going to be a little challenging. Um, I know there's a lot of good teams in, in D3 South, but yep. I think Bourne has their eyes on the prize, and that's getting back to that state final and and uh, finishing the business that they weren't able to quite uh, finish off last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sturgis East will be interesting to see if they can take a step, you know, that next step. Uh, they've lost in the first round the last two years, and then the uh, back in 2013, or excuse me, 2015, uh, Sturgis East won their opener, but then lost in the next right. round, and they had the same record, 13 wins, as they did then, so... We'll be looking at them as well. And then you mentioned Nantucket. Mm-hmm. Might even get born again in the opener. Nantucket just snuck in at 8-8. Eight and eight. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the first round, one versus 16 or something like that. I agree. Um, but again, good to see a young uh, program get back into tournament play. Um, Falmouth is a team that's going to be really interesting. They're the lone rep in uh, – or excuse me, Falmouth and Sandwich are the lone reps in Division Two South. Mm-hmm. Um, Falmouth has only lost this year. They had a couple to Dartmouth, one to Barnstable. Can't really fault them for that. Yeah, really. And they won to Old Rochester late in the year. Um, you know, found that they won their first round game last year, but then lost to Milton at home three nothing. The tough part about Division Two is you get a lot of those teams that they might have a worse record, but they're playing up in a lot of very talented Division Ones, mm-hmm. and they could sneak up in you just like Milton did last year. So, um, really been impressed with the Pope uh, twins, Katie and Abby. Abby needs only seven more digs for a thousand for her varsity career. Um, Carolyn DeLinks uh, and Dave Chapina have been solid attackers, while Shane McLeod's been not only a good server, but as you mentioned, a really good yeah, she's blocker. One of the best as well. blockers in the state. So this is a very strong team, but D2 is tricky, and you really never know who you're going to get matched up with. And again, th- this team has a lot of talent, and I think they can make it pretty far mm-hmm. um, if they play well, play consistently, and avoid unforced errors. Yeah. Uh, sandwich, I mean, I, I think uh, Sam Garassi has been very good as setter. I think Jenna Buttrick is going to take them as, as far as she can. I, I think the, that offense, that team really runs through her. She's yeah. a multi-year varsity star um, and somebody I know who really wants to play college volleyball next year. Right. So um, It'll be tough. I mean, Sandwich has had – they've played well in stretches. I think they've won their last six entering the tournament. Mm-hmm. All against teams they should have beat, I think, anyway. But at the same time, they have to bring their A game in every match because yeah. one letdown and – too many hours at the service lines, you're not going to be able to win. Not in the Division Two South. And a lot of their wins are comeback wins where they've been down even two sets to zero and they've come back to win right. five. <laughs> that might not be as uh, doable no. in the playoffs where teams tend to be a little bit better at closing out victories. Right, and, and I've talked to their coach. They tried to roll out a little bit of a uh, different style offense, and I don't think the players were quite grasping it. So you kind of just have to go with your star players and just go with the basics and see how far that can carry you. 
I think it was that six-two formation that people have been talking about and trying to mm -hmm. work with that. And you know, it works some places, but other places you just have to again stick to your bread and butter and Agreed. see how far that can take you. Uh, soccer seedings, those come out uh, tomorrow or Wednesday, depending on when you're watching this show. Uh, we have 12 boys soccer teams that will be going to the postseason, eight girls teams as of now. And mm -hmm. I say as of now because we have one uh, game that could determine a postseason spot today. That will be the Falmouth Academy girls play Rising Tide. Yep. Pretty simple. They win, they're in. Mm -hmm. It's a tie or a loss, they're out. <laughs> yep. um, so, uh, I mean, two, two teams really are going to stand out from this field. Clearly the Nosset boys who... Monday finished out their second undefeated regular season in three years. Yep. Really haven't flinched at all. Ever since, you know, you know, the Globe wrote a story about how, and we already knew this, but they gave up a goal in like in the first 30 seconds against Somerville mm -hmm. in their season opener. And it seems like ever since then, nobody's really been able to touch them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they've beaten teams that beat them in that Nosset clash, that big right. preseason thing they host right before the season starts. Right. You know, this offense has been a little bit more distributed than it was, say, last year when pretty much... It's it, the most complete team I think I've seen in, yeah. in the couple of years I've been here. So we'll see what they can do. We'll see what Nantucket can do. I think Nantucket, who, uh, you know, they have they host Cape Tech tonight. If they win that, they go undefeated in the season. We both expect they'll beat Cape Tech pretty easily. Chris Amaya and Mario Reyes have been huge for them. 100 goals scored, three allowed. I would expect they will. They should probably be the number one seed uh, in D four South. Uh, as should the Sturgis West girls. I mean, these are the three teams that I think we've seen really emerge as dominant uh, this whole fall. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, they kind of came out of that rat race of the uh, Cape and Islands League, mm -hmm. as you will. But I'm just really impressed with a number of players who are just just solid goal scorers. Kate Donahue, Emma Ball, Alexa Bound, Claire Melly. Yep. Um, even Bell Lauer, you know, it's yeah. a whole scoring brigade is what I'm calling that team, the Navigator Scoring Brigade. They're just, they've been outstanding this year. Um, but the playoffs certainly won't be easy. I mean, the Navigators play a full Cape and Islands League schedule, so yep. a bit of a detriment in that sense that you don't really get to see a lot of solid off-Cape programs. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, I think Mike Ball is going to have that team ready to go, and clearly they're not going to back down against a team like Monomoy, who I think we thought, was going to be the favorites this year to win the Cape and Islands. Yeah. And they just took that and they threw it right back in Monomoy's face. They beat Monomoy twice. They beat him on the road 1-0, and then they, they beat them pretty soundly you know, at Old Townhouse a couple of weeks ago. So One loss was to Nantucket, I believe, correct, for Sturgis West? Yeah. Right. Yes, yeah, Nantucket. Um, um, just jumping back to the boys' side real quickly, though, um, interesting thing about Nantucket is that they've ended up playing Cohasset mm -hmm. uh, every year in the tournaments since 2014. Now, Nantucket beaten them before, so it's not so much of getting over the hump, but it seems like that seems to be the eventual clash that determines who right. advances uh, to the sectional finals yeah. or who plays for the state tournament. Yeah, the hump is less get that they need to overcome is less of who they beat and just how far they go. They always have good records and, and come in, and then they just seem to not play quite as well in the playoffs right. against off-cape teams. Right. I think this is the best team Nantucket has had since I've been here. So, and probably they're going to take, they might take a bit of a step back next year as some of these players graduate. Right. Maybe. So uh, this is, I think their best chance and I'd like to see them kind of cash in on it. Right. And then when you look at the NASA boys, uh, and again, you mentioned that they've just had so many different guys emerge this year that you might not have seen in other years, mm -hmm. especially Benny LeBranch, only a sophomore. He's kind of the quarterback of that team I've seen out there. Really he commands the midfield. He sets up those passing opportunities but he also is really key on defense, key on set pieces, does mm -hmm. a little bit of everything for Nosset. He's kind of their X factor. 
But then you also have plenty of guys who can put the ball in the back of the net, whether it's Avery Santoro or even, you know, guys on defense too. I got to mention Adel Talabi, who's just outstanding, mm-hmm. you know, in, in leading that defense that's really given up minimal goals this year. Have been perfect. It wasn't like uh, 2016 where they only gave up one goal in the state in the final. State championship, yeah. <laughs> um, but this is just a really complete team that um, the sky's the limit for them, I think. Definitely. Um, but on the boys' side for total, so just to mention all the teams, so we have Nossett, Nantucket, Martha's Vineyard, Sandwich, Mashby, Monomoy, Bourne, Sturgis East and Sturgis West, Upper Cape Tech, Barnstable, and St. John Paul. Those are the 12 teams <laughs> that are going to be playing in the tournament. On the girls' side, obviously we mentioned Sturgis West, but we also have Monomoy, Nantucket, Nossett, Falmouth, Mashby, St. John Paul, and Sandwich. So, and possibly still FA. So we're going to see, I think, a lot of local matchups, which is always exciting yeah. to see. Um, and determine basically you win or you go home. Yeah, There's no no more ties. <laughs> which means it seems likely we should have at least a few Cape teams advancing to the quarterfinals. Um, one more team on the girls' side I wanted to just point out is Falmouth. I think can really make a run on things. I think mm-hmm. they're really due for one this year. Um, Victoria Ralston's been an outstanding scorer, and Ariana Sylvia in some games has been unstoppable. Mm-hmm. I think if those two can get going. Um, they have good goalies with Kiara Fury and Anya Thomas. It'll be interesting to see if they split time, just like mm-hmm. they did in the regular season. But both of them can step up and play good defense. But if Falmouth can get some early leads in some of these games, I think they have a shot to to make a run at things. I think it's just going to depend how they, you know, who they're matched up against. And, just like volleyball, right? right. Uh, we'll hit cross country and golf super briefly. Uh, so co- cross country. The ACL, the Atlantic Coast League Championships, were yesterday at Marshfield. Not a lot of surprises with this one. Nossett girls and Marshfield boys both went undefeated against ACL teams in the regular season, and they won their respective races at the championships. Rachel Pranga, who's been one of Nossett's best runners, maybe the best, won the whole thing. Emma Eastman from Sandwich was second. I've seen Emma run. She's easily one of the best runners in the ACL as well. Jake Pearl led the Nossett boys. Uh, but Marshfield won won the individual had had the top finisher in that too. So we've got the uh, divisional meets coming up November tenth, uh, and then so we'll see how far uh, these teams can go. We've got the Cape and Islands League meet that's today at Cape Cod Academy. It starts. I think the girls go at three, and then the boys are going to go at four. So we'll see a lot of the smaller school runners and uh, how they can match up today, and then maybe that'll set the stage for right. who might do well in the uh, divisional uh, races next week. Yeah, what's interesting about the, the postseason of sorts for cross-country is that last year it was like almost three meets in a row at Rentham, that same course. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's, it's kind of a go-to for the state nowadays. Yep. But uh, the state meet this year is at Northfield, and there was an, there was an invite, I think the Bay State, which basically mm-hmm. like the pre-states earlier this year. Northfield is it's, it's simple. It's a mountain. <laughs> you go up one side, you go down the other. Very challenging course. It's not the flat, fast courses that you're seeing in modern cross-country nowadays. It's a unique challenge. and In a way, I'm kind of glad the MIA is sticking it with it because there's a lot of there's a lot of pushback from coaches that want that right. almost track-like style flat yeah. course because it takes a different kind of runner to run hills oh, yeah. like that. And for, and, you know, I guess maybe, unfortunately, around the Cape, you don't really get necessarily that. Uh, yeah, it's much harder to hills. train those kind of hills around here. But then again, sure. then again, Nos, it's not far from Ocean View drive which i don't yeah. know if you've ever been out there on the coast has some kind of some big hills heading up to the lighthouses over there so right. maybe that's their training spot and maybe that's how they get ready for the uh, state meet maybe they drive down to providence and have a uh, province town and have them run up some of those hills <laughs> uh 
do a run up the Pilgrim Tower or something pretty, like pretty that. Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> that's how the Ragnar relay finishes, and that's that's right. pretty steep. No kidding. Um, so yesterday, we had also the D3 state meet. The D2 st uh, states are going on right now. Uh, got sandwich and, Campbell is in there. Yeah, Sandwich and Nasset, I think, are both in his teams in that. Right. Um, you know, Mashby's Colin Spencer, only a freshman. Really impressive yesterday. Two over par 74. That was good for third place in the tournament. You know, he, he had to rally late, too. He birdied the last hole and then parred the final hole to, to hold that spot. Um, you know, Kyle Pucho shot an 80, finished tied for 12th. Um, you know, Mashby, that's not always a school you think of you know, when you think of golf, but, you know, a couple of good guys there coming together. and uh, They've had a couple a of nice good seasons back-to-back -back now. Um, so, yeah, and then as we mentioned, D2, that state meet is going on today. I think Nossett definitely has high expectations, and Sandwich had a very good season as well, so we'll see what they can, uh, what they can get out of it. Mm -hmm. I think that would do it I for – we hit everything, did Yeah, I, I think we hit, like, <laughs> literally everything. Uh, so that will do it for uh, Cape Sports Now this week. You can find uh, this episode at our uh, website, capegottimes.com slash capesportsnow. You can find it on and back episodes on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash capecottimes. You can get episodes downloaded through uh, Google and iPhone podcast apps. Uh, you can also always check out our coverage at capecottimes.com slash sports and the print edition of the Cape Cod Times. And you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Matt Goisman CCT. That's M-A-T-T-G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T. And I'm at, on Twitter at, at Steve underscore Derderian, last name D-E-R-D-E-R-I-A-N. Have fun, everybody. Stay warm out there. We'll see you next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.